Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. How are you today? Man, good day, huh? Had the fun stuff at first uh, because this isn't as fun <laughs> as a as a message, uh, and I'm, I want to uh, make sure to just follow up and ask that we kill the streaming for this message because uh, hopefully it's a good message. But some messages we're not ashamed of the truth, just like the New Testament church. They'd preach anywhere. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't share everything in the Colosseum where lions were ready to eat them. And sometimes, you know, online is kind of like that. <laughs> and we're just not going to be like, hey, here's some meat. Chew us. So, so we're going we're gonna to avoid that one. We will still have it in the podcast, and you can listen to it later. Um, but we're, this is the last of this series. Next week, I'll be starting uh, uh, one that we'll be kind of going in and out of for a few months on, on different Sundays, uh, a series about Proverbs, which will be much happier and make you smile more, okay? Um, my wife, like, I love her. She's like, this is not my favorite series, and that's okay. Um, yep, it's okay. Other people have been like, this is the best series ever, so... Uh, all shows the condition of your heart, I guess. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. It could be an insult for the other people. You never know. So um, I, I will honestly say this is like the hardest sermon series I've ever had to do because um, you, you, you want to deliver the truth in love. Uh, it is not our job to engage culture wars, but it is our job to be believers who believe the word of God in a time when most of the world doesn't. And if anything, like even some of the stuff we'll share today, people will label it hate, which is ironic considering then what's your definition of what love is and who defines it. That's the problem. Like you're a hater and a bigot based on what? Because I don't agree with your narrative? Who wrote your narrative? And that's the problem, and that's actually what we're going to get into today. Who wrote the narrative of these things? So while I planned on this being over one or two or three more messages, I'm like, we need to wrap it up because spiritually I'm a little exhausted. I can't explain it. It's just one of those things spiritually where you're just like, this is so draining to talk on these things. I never walk away from my sermon prep over the last few weeks being like, I'm really encouraged. (laughs) Now I am in the fact that look what God is doing and what God can do and is going to do. But it's, these are heavier topics. But they're the topics of our time. It's what we're talking about. It's what everybody's talking about everywhere. So this week we're wrapping it all up and if you want you can go back in the podcast and listen to the others. But really this week, last week we kind of talked about secularism, humanism, and this week the end result of that where we are now is really a godless worldview self-informed. So if I were to, if I were to bring like a piece of Ikea furniture out here, 
You ever tried putting together IKEA furniture without the directions? Anybody here ever done that? Right? Okay. By the end of it, you're manifesting, you know, just demons have taken you over. Uh, you need deliverance, being prayed over, exercised, uh, all the things, right? Calling somebody special to cast it all out um, because it's a nightmare. I mean, when you have the directions, it doesn't go well. It is like, oh my God. You would think, you would think mainly just turning screws and, and wooden pegs would make it much easier. It does not. It's much worse. The Swiss are laughing at us. They're just over there like, this is so funny. You know, that is where they are having the time of their lives at our expense. It is awful. Um, but why would we not do that? Why? Because we wouldn't do it. And when we do, we make the mistake because we understand we need the outside information to figure out how to put this together. But we live in a time where we are constantly self-informing, discovering ourselves, realizing the way I think, the way I feel is then the sum total of who I am. And that's what I should pursue and go after. And I would tell you, I would argue with you, one, it's the two is it's not scriptural. Now that is the definition of today. You have to make a decision. If you're a Christ follower, if you're not, you can blow me off today. You can be like, I don't agree with any of this. I don't like this, etc. You can, you can do that. Okay? But I would tell you, but then something is informing your worldview. Something is telling you how you define the rules and how you put it all together. Something is telling you that. And if you are a follower of Jesus, the main way you do that is by way of Scripture, the Bible. That is the rule book, the guidebook, the instructions. Remember, years ago, we were joking yesterday. Uh, does anybody remember the group Burlap to Kashmir? Anybody? Yeah. If you're a Christian in like 2000, right, 2002, they had the song Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, right? Guess remember, anybody remember that song? Yeah, it was a classic, right? Which if you don't, real, if you don't know, I did not know this for a long time because I'm slow. All right, ba- Basic Instructions Before Leaving, Bible, there we go, all right, Bible. Okay, this is how we outside inform our lives. That God's word is higher than ours, and this is the definition. I told you last week I had somebody uh, who I've known for years, I love very deeply, but uh, a young man, he was even friends with our kids, and he, he's, he's really walked away from the faith, and, and it's very tragic. Um, and, and maybe he's wrestling with it, maybe he's not completely walked away, but, but he is... He's very pro all things trans and, and was even quoting some things that are uh, basically their they're fallacy um, surveys and things like that, but he's quoting them as facts. And, and, and then he said, now argue this, and you can't use the Bible. Now, I didn't argue because for the same reason we're not streaming today this message, I don't argue those things online because it's stupid. <laughs> and it's, a set of, it's basically saying, would you please abuse me? you know, or, or giving them opportunity to feel abused. And, and I don't want to do either. Uh, I don't want to give a platform to that, and I don't want anybody to feel that way. So I, I won't do it. I will meet with anyone face-to-face and talk through it with you anytime. 
um, but I won't do it through text. I won't do it through email or social media. But he said, defend this and you can't use the Bible. And my response to that is, I reject your premise. I don't agree that I have to justify this scientifically before I justify it biblically because I that's an inverse way of looking at God's creation. God made this world. He defines it. He set it up. He made the rules. So this is how I will argue it. Say, well, you can't do that with society. Uh, I think I can. <laughs> I think that's actually the best way to argue society. And I understand Rob Reiner's got a film out now about, that's Christian nationalism. I, I said it last week. I would tell you I think that term is a red herring. I don't think it's an actual group of people. I think there are some idiots out there. I think there's some stupid people. Sometimes I, we've, we're all one of them at times, right? They're like, all the people, he, Rob Reiner's words, all the people who went in the Capitol on January 6th, those are all Christian nationalists. Yeah, I, I don't know what they are, but Christian is not the term I would give them. Now, you can claim the name of Jesus, but not belong to it. But Christian nationalism it's a fake term in order to marginalize a group of people and to basically argue James Lindsay, I believe his name is Dr. James Lindsay, who's not a Christian but an agnostic, but a brilliant mind, would say they're actually using these terms right now in order to marginalize Christians and then eventually to control speech and ultimately possibly state-affirmed churches which would say if this church affirms what the government affirms, then it can exist. And if this church does not exert, um, affirm what the government doesn't, then they can't exist. This is a push towards that. Now, that being said, we don't want churches that say, you know, store up guns and things like that. Waco was a bad thing. It was demonic, right? But we, we believe in truth. And we believe in the word of God. That means we put our swords away as far as, uh, in a literal sense, but spiritually we won't. So I won't go to blows with you over the truth, but I will battle in the spirit and on the word of truth. Does that make sense? Is everybody with me? And I think a, one scripture that I feel like breaks all of this down in one section that, that basically tears apart these things, if you believe the Bible as your worldview, if you don't, then it won't. But if you do, then it will. Jeremiah 1.4, very popular scripture, one we all know. It's on coffee cups or a little plaque we have at home. God is telling Jeremiah, to tell his people, to rebuke his people. Jeremiah is eventually known as the weeping prophet. He's not the weeping prophet because God just touches him so much. He's the weeping prophet because everybody wants to kill him. And nobody, nobody's like, I want to die. And I want to die being a martyr. <laughs> Jeremiah did not want that. And yet God's like, I want you to deliver news, Jeremiah, for me. And he's like, great. It's going to be bad news mostly. God, whoa, I don't want that job. Now, that being said, we're on the different side of the covenant. So we don't prophesy like that anymore. Not to say there are none like that. But, but fortunately, Hebrews tells us prophecy is a different office now than it was in the Old Testament. That's good news. But there are still moments the truth is bad news to a society that believes in lies. 
okay? The truth isn't bad news. It's always good news when it's God's news, but it's sometimes antithetical to what we are now believing, and it rubs us the wrong way. It hurts. Like we said last week, we're salt and light. Sometimes salt burns, but it also heals, right? Okay, so the Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Can you figure out where this is going to go? All right. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, that word is specific to Jeremiah. But the beautiful thing of God's word is it applies to all of us. We're not all going to directly be a prophet to the nations. But he has known all of us before he formed. Did you get that? Before formed in the womb. Before you were even conceived, God made you. God knew you. And you can break it down right there. He knew you. He formed you. He set you apart and appointed you. Three things. You were made by God. He formed you. You were made from God. Set you apart. You were made for God. You were made by him, from him, and for him. That is why you exist. And when we live for anything else, we're living for a lower version of God's best. And we and others actually suffer for it. So first and foremost, there are three false gods of our time that I think fly in the face and against those three truths that are described right there. And if you're like, well, I don't believe you, go back to the first message, right? This all starts even in the garden. God, in the Garden of Eden, from the very beginning, made in God's image. We were made in his image. And the lie was from the enemy, did God really say? Just begin to break it and deconstruct it all down and tear it all apart. Get rid of it. Don't believe that. God's keeping you from something. God, God doesn't want something for you. God is lying. God isn't. That's what the enemy does. It's not true. He does it subtly, and then he does it brazenly. Three lies of our time. One, you were made by God. The world was made by God. The environment or worship of the earth. Worshiping the earth moves our worship from worshiping the creator to worshiping the creation. I am a believer, and we will get into this, of stewarding our earth. I believe we've had some good presidents who said, you know, we're not going to tear down the entire country. We're going to make national parks. We're going to preserve things. We're going to make sure populations of animals are not destroyed and wiped out. That's good, because consumerism, capitalism with no conscience is horrendous. It's dangerous, okay? And it will destroy when it's not kept in check, right? The Industrial Revolution was finally the moment where somebody said, hey, maybe six-year-olds shouldn't be working 80 hours a week. Maybe we should stop that. That was a good idea, 
Right? Anybody agree? I mean, my six-year-olds could maybe work harder, but <laughs> I'm glad they're not working in a factory or in a coal mine all day. Good balance, right? But the environmentalism has now gone to the other extreme. Environmentalism now is a belief that the world is going to be destroyed in a certain amount of years if we don't do X, which is any number of things. Electric vehicles, um, stopping meat consumption due to CO2 emanation from cow emissions. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when you say it out loud, but it's, genuine, it's a genuine belief. Now again, I don't disbelieve that our environment at times is affected. But the Bible says this in Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. But we are now living in a time that there are Christian leaders saying, no, 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 if we don't do this, we are destroying the earth, we're going to die. And it's, I would argue, that's a terrible theology. It's awful um, eschatology, which is end times theology, because you now believe that we can take what God ordains, what he says yes and no. Is he the author and finisher of our faith? The Bible says that, right? Which means he's also the, also the author and finisher of the world, which then means we could not possibly end the world without his permission, at least. To be somebody who worships the earth and is so fearful of its destruction is to be somebody who does not believe the fullness of Scripture, of who God is, and that God is in charge of the end, and we are not. We are to be stewards, right? Because again, there's extremists. There's like, we can destroy anything we want. We can do whatever we want, kill whatever we want, take down. Well, that's an extremist view. It's unhealthy, and God wouldn't, God wouldn't ordain that or be okay with it. But then there's another view that says we shouldn't be allowed to do anything anymore, right? They, they just recently, this last two weeks, somebody went into the, uh, well, I think it's the Library of Congress where we've got our Constitution under glass and they destroyed it with paint and they stood there and they screamed. Thank you for saving us. That, that, that's my response in that moment. It doesn't make a lot of sense. There's groups of people standing in traffic in the middle of a highway attempting to protest to try and, quote, save the earth. And I tell you, when you worship, in my estimation, I look at that and I'm like, this is foolishness. This is weird. This is crazy. But when you don't worship the creator, you worship creation and you look crazy. It doesn't look healthy anymore. It looks weird. It looks strange. Matter of fact, there's a short clip I want to show you. I won't show you the whole video, but short clip from uh, John Stossel kind of taking down some of this from a non-biblical perspective, just from a scientific one. Go ahead, guys. If we don't take action, the collapse of our civilization... Before COVID, climate change was the big crisis. What I'm saying is the planet's on fire. When COVID is conquered, climate change will be the big crisis again. Saying it's not a crisis makes some people mad. Clown. 
Students at Georgetown University honked horns to prevent others from hearing Mark Morano say it. They do not want dissent. They shout you down at schools. What do we want? Party justice! Georgetown police said they'd never seen an event shut down like that before. How dare you? Of course young people fear climate change. They've been frightened about it since they were little. Rising sea levels would displace millions. It's an indoctrination that's so complete that by the time they get to high school, they're not even aware that there's any scientific dissent. I do go to a class of 16, 17-year-olds in school and start talking to them about climate, and they are amazed to hear that there is an alternative point of view. These students don't want to listen, but Morano's new movie, Climate Hustle 2, includes facts they should hear. Politicians should hear them, too. If we would do more on climate change, we'd have fewer of these hurricanes and other types of storms. Everyone knows that? No, everyone doesn't know that. Listen to Congress's own hearings. Are hurricanes increasing? In the United States and globally, no. Are tornadoes increasing? There's no evidence to suggest that they've been increasing. Are droughts increasing? According to the EPA and according to the IPCC, the answer is no. You wouldn't know that watching CNN. There will be irreversible damage to the planet. The media do hype every scare. And when Morano says they exaggerate the risks, they call him evil personified. All right, a that's climate good, denier. Why should we... Thank you. Now, it's a mixture. I think there's a large group of people who genuinely believe we're going to destroy the Earth. But they should know. In the 1970s, the greatest scientific minds on the planet, YouTube it. It'll pop right up. Greatest scientific minds said, global freezing is happening now as we speak. We're looking at another ice age. Ten years later, that became, anybody know? Global warming. Well, how is, wow. That's a big switch in a t short amount of time. And then global warming didn't actually seem to trend as well, so then it became climate change. When the goalposts keep moving, it's time to wake up and stop playing. Can we steward our earth? Of course. Feel free to recycle. You, I mean, wear hemp clothes if you want. I don't care. That's up to you. What I would, don't smoke them. Just, okay. But whatever you got to do, okay. But realize the earth is the Lord's. This world is from God. And he will end it when it's time and not sooner. Doesn't mean we can't take better care of it. We can but uh, for an example, one of the giant pushes is electric vehicles. And if you have one, I know some people, even in their church, have Teslas. More power to you. Cool. Wish I could afford one. I'd love to sleep while the car drives. That'd be amazing. I know you're not supposed to do that, but you guys know you do it. <laughs> okay. All right. They're cool, right? But here's the thing. They're saving. This is a, they're telling you this is going to save the world. You should know by the best scientific mind. If China and India don't follow the regulations, which they don't and won't, they honestly, the best scientific minds also tell us it actually wouldn't matter. And they won't. China and, India, China and India have no interest in following those regulations, at least not as of right now. But for those electric vehicles that are supposedly saving the earth, let me show you a picture of something. Does anybody know what this is? It's a cobalt mine. Does it look environmental? And if you look it up, you'll see the horrific conditions. 
in the Congo and Africa that six-year-olds are digging out things for the batteries of our electric vehicles to, quote, save our earth. We need to trust God. Now, again, this is not, this is not a guilt thing. This is, if you are allowed to drive an electric vehicle, you not driving one won't stop this. You just need to know that. And if you have that, and want, more power to you. Because the same thing operates also the batteries in our phones and a hundred other things. So it's not about electric vehicles. It's anything that uses a battery, which is a lot of stuff. But I, what I would tell you is this earth is from God. He's formed it. He's made it. He's in charge of it. We need to take care of it, but we don't need to be afraid of it. Does that make sense? We steward our earth. If you want to know when the end will be, here it is, Matthew 24, 14. The good news about the kingdom. It'll be preached throughout the world and all the nations, and then the end will come. That's when the end of the earth happens, and no sooner. And only God knows when that is. We have ideas, but we, only he knows. If you worship the earth, you're not worshiping God. All right. So this world is by God. This world is from God. We worship the self. What are two ways that we worship the self largely in our time? If, we're not, if we don't worship God, we start worshiping ourselves. One of the greatest ways we worship ourselves in this country that we have for about 50 years, oh, Lord, be with me, um, is not valuing human life as God ordained. And so we are okay with the idea of abortion. And we made excuses and reasoning for it on why it's okay. Now, we even have a small group dedicated to moms struggling with infertility. So if you're going to try and find a voice here that says, you know, there's circumstances that allow for this, let me tell you, if you know of anybody, and we have helped multiple families through, we have an adoption fund in this church. And it's a bogus lie from leftists who try, and, and, and liberal people and other people who try and justify. And it has nothing to do with the political viewpoint. And that's the trick of the enemy, to say this is a political viewpoint. No, this is a biblical viewpoint. I don't care which way you vote. I mean, I do, but that's a different conversation. This, on this point, you believe the Bible that God ordained life or you don't. And if he ordains life, it is not ours to take based on any number of reasons. And if you're like, I know somebody who's pregnant, we will help find that child a home. And if we can't, I'll take it. My wife and I discussed that a long time ago. There's a family several years ago, they're not, they moved up north, so they're no longer with us. She had a coworker. They were gonna abort that child because she was up, her, up years in age and she didn't know what to do with it. The family, working with that family, said, we'll adopt, and they went to our church and we helped fund it. So we're all about it. If you're like, no, you don't live up to it. Oh, we do, and we will, because we believe God made that life. And we'll continue to. Women's reasons for seeking abortion include 40% financial, 36% timing, partner-related reasons, 
and the need to focus on other children, 29. Most women reported multiple reasons, 64%. But following up, 1% of women choosing abortion reported they were survivors of rape and less than half of 1% cited incest. I just want you to know, for the people who are like, what about these circumstances? It's 1% or less. The vast majority is used as birth control. Now, does God forgive? He does. I know amazing sisters in Christ who I love dearly who walked this out in their life and the pain and the shame of it and how God forgave them, redeemed them, made them whole. And they've even helped save other women from this. But I just want you to know God ordains life. We don't. And we don't take it lightly when we have to remove it. We don't remove it from our own hands. We just don't. What about the worst? Man, if it's adoption, come alongside. We will help you. Every time, we will help you. We will help you get through it. We will come alongside you. You will not, if you are in this church, even if you're not pregnant, even if <laughs> nobody gets to go homeless or hungry in this house, period. It's not going to happen. A lot of arguments against it. Um, there's, a, there's a good clip from Frank Turk. Go ahead, guys. Let's share it quick. He says, is little Samuel's hand the hand of a person or is it the hand of a piece of property? And here's what Barbara Boxer said. I am not a doctor and I am not God. I trust other human beings to make these decisions. There was... He says, is little Samuel's hand the hand of a person or is it the hand of a piece of property? And here's what Barbara Boxer said. I am not a doctor and I am not God. I trust other human beings to make these decisions. There was a debate many years ago in the United States Senate on partial birth abortion. This is Senator Sam Brownback of Kansas. Now, he was the senator at the time. After that, he became the governor of Kansas. And recently, 2018, he became the head, let me get his exact title, it's the Ambassador at Large for International Religious Freedom in the State Department. So this is the first time the State Department has set up an ambassador to ensure religious freedom takes place around the world to the best of the State Department's ability. In fact, I was privileged to do a Bible study via phone uh, a few weeks ago and he was on it because it was with the State Department. And so he is a solid believer and what he did in this debate back in 2003 was he showed a photograph of a 21-week-old fetus he said had been spared abortion by doctors who operated on the womb to correct a birth defect. And he showed a picture in the United States Senate. This is the picture he showed. You see the hand here grasping the doctor's finger as they're about to operate in the womb at 21 weeks. Here's a better picture. As you can see, the arm coming out of the womb and the doctor holding the arm. So he shows this in the United States Senate, and he says this to Senator Barbara Boxer. At that time, she was the senator in California. He says, is little Samuel's hand the hand of a person, or is it the hand of a piece of property? And here's what Barbara Boxer said. I am not a doctor, and I am not God. I trust other human beings to make these decisions. All right, stop. Now, question. 
Do you have to be a doctor? If you don't believe God ordains life and that we are by God and from God, you can erase the value of life. But it's plain, isn't it? Romans 1 talks a lot about it. We know God ordains life. And it's amazing. I lost a son. And I can tell you, God intrinsically made you. He designed you. You don't know this, but my grandmother got pregnant at the age of 15. And a lot of people tried to work very hard to get them to abort my mom. Because that was at a time you didn't get pregnant in high school and underage and out of marriage. In central Illinois. Well, I praise God my grandmother didn't make that choice. Maybe you don't, but I do. (laughs) Because we believe that. We believe that God ordains life. And it's not always convenient. Sometimes it's harsh. Sometimes it's scary. But no life is wasted when it's in God's kingdom. Not one. You were made by God. You're no accident. Some people in this room right now, right here today, are like, I don't know why I'm here. I do. By God's hand and his design, he made you. He formed you. You're no accident. You're no whoops. You're no mistake. You know something your parents did late at night and didn't think it through. No. You were made by God. Period. And that's amazing. Another one of our time, and then, speaking of, and this is what's even more tragic. Do you know 40% of all abortions are in the black community? Four out of ten children aborted are black in the black community. Racism exists, but not the way we think. Say that, well, they're going to be born, some of them are born in the bad circumstances. Anybody here experience opposition in life? <clears throat> what if somebody decided your life wasn't worth it based on opposition? It's a lie. God ordains life. And now we're perpetuating it with a thing called critical race theory, which is another worship of self. Now, God intrinsically made you the race that you are by, on purpose. He made that, and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Whatever skin color you are, God wanted you to be, and it's beautiful. However, critical race theory is now perpetuated that the idea is it's not actually about race. It's leveraging race to push Marxism, which is a belief that power systems, and now it's white people have the power systems and systemically control, which if you break down the numbers is not actually true. The people who do the best in our country are Asian and Indian, not white people. But that's a different conversation. 
critical race theory is a Marxist belief that any race in the majority has systematized the country and world to keep others down. It's inherent in the worldview. Here's my biggest problem with this. Yes, it's arguing something about creation, but it's twisting it. The believer's response is this, Galatians 3.28, there's no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. We're one in Christ Jesus. Stay with me, Lauren. <laughs> Galatians 3.28. <laughs> there you go. All right. Alan, stop talking to her. Okay. <laughs> but not only that, the problem with critical race theory is it can never be undone. It's always about breaking down a system, breaking down a system. And, and a lot of these people who, uh, uh, I forget all their names. Uh, my brain is escaping right now. But they're going to tell you that it's inherent, like whiteness is inherent. And it's then built in racism, which is ridiculous. It's really, it's a very racist view. And you're like, it's reverse racism. No, there's no such thing as reverse racism. It's just racism, which is looking down on somebody based on their skin color, which nobody gets to do in the kingdom of God, period. We believe God ordains every single life, and it's beautiful, period. But... Matthew 18, the king called and had forgiven. He said, you evil servant, I forgave you the tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you show mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? The angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do for you if you refuse to forgive. The problem with critical race theory in general, which is really what's driving a lot of the arguments of identity politics today, is it there's no forgiveness. There's none. It's just constant payback. If I can tell you anything, church, don't create nuance for unforgiveness. God has no room for it. Now, if you, I just sat with a pastor the other day who's a good friend of mine. He pastors a predominantly black church and numerous others and he is, he is, he's a, he's an Indian, Indian man, but he's up from South America. Um, wonderful man of God, a dear friend, a great brother. And he's watched white people just leave his church because non-white people came in. Well, that's disgusting, and it's hate. And it's despicable. But even there, God have mercy on them to pull that out of their hearts. It's garbage. Racism does exist, but it doesn't belong to a people group. It belongs to, it belongs to the enemy, and we upend it, and we don't worship the self. We worship the king, and we realize he made every life, and they're all amazing by his hand. And lastly, we were made by God, from God, we were made for God. And one of the gods of our age says sexuality is to be worshipped. This is the toughest one. I will try and go as fast as I can. I know we're, we're going over on time. This is tough because it's a tough one right now. And it's tender to people. It's very near and dear to some people's hearts. And I've walked numerous people over the years th through this issue. Numerous. I've had students in my youth groups, in my college ministries, here at Thrive, multiple, not one or two, multiple. 
and we don't tell everybody about it because we don't put people's business in the streets. We don't do that. Okay? Just like I wouldn't tell you about somebody's porn problem because that's not people's business. All right? But sexuality is, it either belongs to God or it doesn't. Last summer I posted something in June, which is Pride Month. By the way, Pride, biblically, not a good thing. So (laughs) I posted the Bible verse, love is not proud. Well, I had some people I've known for a very long time since high school viciously come after me to the point of harassment that my wife and I had to go to the police because they started coming, posting pictures of my children and talking about attacking us. And I know some people were, that was in tandem when we went in the parade and other things, some people were concerned for our safety. But then there's also a moment that says, no, 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 no. We're not backing down on anything. Because we love those people. But I also know the Bible, God defines love. And if he says that isn't love, then it isn't. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't affection and feeling and human love, phileo, romantic love, because, like, yes, I'm not saying there is no feeling of romantic love there. I believe there probably is. It's not something I've had to walk out much in my life. But I've had different struggles. But I would tell you, this is, while it's world, it's age old of the world, As an identity, it's only about 150 years old, and not even really that. It's more like 50 years old. Behavior of sex outside of marriage, whether it's hetero, homo, bi, etc., trans, well, that's been around since the beginning. But it's only in the last 50 to 150 years that it's now defined as personhood instead of an act or behavior. Do you see the difference? This is newer. How is it newer? Pastor, I, I haven't heard that. There's, there's, okay, well, there, there, let me give you a few facts. And you can look it up for yourself. Where's it from? There's, a, there's numerous. And I don't have time to unpack it all. And I would happily sit down with you and talk anybody through it. One of the first is a guy named, that you would know named Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud basically argued that your sexuality was who you are. Um, He was in the 1800s, and he developed this. Um, And he had some good ideas. Whether or not you like it, Hitler had some good ideas. Doesn't mean we should follow him, right? Volkswagen came from Nazi Germany. They make a good car, okay? (laughs) They make a good car. They make bad governance, okay? So you can have good ideas and be evil, all right? Here's what you don't know about Sigmund Freud. He was molested as a child. He became a cocaine addict. And then he began to molest children in his own practice. He said all women had penis envy. He was a proud atheist. He was a massive misogynist. And he's the first ever to probably argue that sexuality is personhood. He regularly molested children in his practice. And he argued this point as one of the first. So is that a voice worth listening to? But... His ideas were disseminated because he had some other good ideas and they were disseminated throughout academia and psychology especially and then down into the system and then we began to say that must be true. 
Fast forward into the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, we get two other figures, John Money and Alfred Kinsey. I can't even read you everything about them because they're monsters. What I can tell you about John Money, uh, Alfred Kinsey experimented on children. A lot of his research was fraudulent. Most of John, uh, Kinsey's research was collected from prisoners in prison um, and, done, and some of those prisoners were already sexual offenders. And he was also himself homosexual, trying ways to figure out, can I justify this? Now, Kinsey went so far as to experiment on children under the age of one. John Money at John Hopkins University coined the, coined the term gender identity and ideology. He would say gender, that babies were gender neutral at birth, that you could raise children's boy or girls, and, and the most famous story is the Reimer children. Um, and by way of an accident, there was twin boys, one of them, by way of an accident from a, a, a circumcision, they, he had lost his genitalia. So he, 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 he was brought in, money was brought in to raise these boys, to basically help raise the parents, raise the boys. And they, quote, said, he was like God to us. We thought he was a brilliant mind. He knew so much. And he said, it's okay, just raise him like a girl. And they did for many years. Put him in dresses and things like that. Problem was, and they, they removed parts of him. But he grew up, thank you. <laughs> they removed parts of him. He, he still was a boy. He wanted to fight, he wanted to play rough, he wanted, to, and, and they couldn't erase it, they couldn't do it. But fast forward, things we didn't know till years later, and as he's doing this research, he's going into academia over and over, it's being taught in schools over and over and over, and it's being disseminated. And this is a real struggle for some people. This is a reality for any number of reasons, okay? Um, what happened is it was discovered that these twins the one that was raised as a boy, every once a year or so, Dr. Money would come around and spend time with just them till it got to the point where the boys were in junior high to early high school and they refused to see him anymore. What turns out, Dr. John Money, again, he created the term gender ideology. He was abusing the boys. He would show them pictures. He would make them perform acts on one another. He's a monster. Among many other things, this is one scenario. One of the brothers died by suicide. The other brother died by drug overdose eventually. But before that, he started living as a boy when he came of age because he said, this isn't right. This is, say, Pastor Ryan, this is really sad. <laughs> I'm not leaving encouraged today. Hold on. And if you, if you want to know, is there uh, Scientific America? We'll just do the one article. There are many studies done. Scientific America, just show, show the one. It's the, white, it's the white one. No, there we go. Studies have been done. This is as of 2019. Is there a gay gene? Major studies, no, there isn't. Now, that being said, do people have genuine, real challenges with this? Yes, absolutely. 
Is it their fault? Almost never. Almost never. Any number of reasons. Could be abuse, could be the way they were raised, could be exposure to something. Any number of reasons. Could just be we all have a bent. Now again, it's not the same thing, but you should know my entire life I've battled my weight. My entire life. And I, that actually is proven that's genetic. Being overweight and obese runs in my family. It is in your genetics. It's very difficult to overcome. And yet I know what the Bible says about my body and gluttony and what I can and can't do. And that I can't live that way even if I want to and that it's harmful to me. Does it mean I'm thin? It does not mean that. <laughs> I'm not. But I'll continue. People can be tr- attracted to people who aren't their spouse. Does that attraction mean that's who they are? No. Because ultimately, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. Honor God with your body. So if you're like, I was made this way, there's a lot of proof that that's probably not true. But that doesn't mean you don't feel that way, you don't have strong compulsions that way, and, and you feel like you are somewhat wired that way now. Okay. I'm not arguing any of that. What I am telling you, God made you ultimately. And even your sexuality, which is the most tender thing we have, It's the most vulnerable and the most intimate. Even that belongs to him. Even that goes to him. It's not mine. That's a tough one, isn't it? That's not easy, but it's also amazing. It's why marriage isn't just for love and fun. Marriage is also for kids. It's to honor the representation of Christ to his church. So I don't leave my wife when I feel like it and when I want to because I'm not, I didn't make that covenant. It's not just a contract from me to her. It's a covenant from me to him. Do you see what I mean? Our sexuality. Right now we worship society. We do. It's one of the gods we worship. And we worship it. Why? Well, I would argue outside of God and his presence himself, it's one of the most euphoric, highest, intimate experiences a human can feel. So we can worship it. But it belongs to somebody. And it doesn't just belong to your spouse. It belongs to your king who made you, who formed you. We all, the truth is, we probably all know somebody who struggles with or lives that way now. Right? Do we love them? You bet we do. And you need to understand something. You don't need to change for me. Because it's not for me or about me. It's not about thrive. It's knowing Jesus and walking with him. 
It's following him and doing the things that please him. Those things are not always easy. Sometimes they're difficult. But they always have the best ending. Sometimes the road is long and painful. I know friends of ours who just lost a dear family member. I know what that's like. I know what it is to lose family and friends. The road of grief is long and painful, and it must be walked. It's not, there's no way around. There's no way you get out of grief, right? Well, leaving what God said is sin and offense to him can be a long walk of grief. But it's also beautiful because it's healing and it walks into wholeness. I mentioned losing our son Seth, and I, I mention it a lot because I never want to forget him. I'm not using it to leverage, I want to honor him in his life. But you should know, then I genuinely mean this. I remember the time we lost him. And that long walk of darkness. There's a verse where David lost a son. And David lost a son largely because of his sin. The Bible explains that. Not, that's not an assumption. And when he finally loses him, he gets up and he eats. And they're like, why aren't you grieving anymore? And he said, hey, look, he won't return to me. But I will go to him. And I remember feeling in that long, dark season, God, do that work in me so someday the hope in me is greater than the grief. Well, I can say that most days now. Almost every day I can say, oh, someday I get to see my son again. I hope he's waiting at the door for me. Some of you, the gods of this world, they, they're holding on to you tight and, and you, it makes you mad, it makes you angry, it hurts you. And I, all I can tell you is I think I get it. I don't understand all your struggles. But to be fair, you don't understand all of mine. But everything we walk away from from this world, if we get Jesus in return, Oh, it's so much better. I love this country. I want to see God save it. It may not come back to normalcy. I don't know. But if God does even this to remove another part of this world having our hearts so that he has more of us, all right, God, do it if I get more of you. Whatever I walk through, let me get more of you. Whatever I walk away from, let it be towards you. Whatever I lose, replace it with yourself, oh God. Whatever I need to give up, oh, just let me get more of you. And I promise you, if you realize and walk into that you are from God, for God, and by God, <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good when you realize it, when you walk into it. He's so much better. He's so much better. He's so much better than this, what this world has to offer. I don't hate the world. 
Jesus didn't hate the world. The Bible says God doesn't, didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. But this world is lost. But it's good to be found. Amen. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Yeah.